Hello and welcome to episode number 356 of the Apologue Podcast. I am your host, Simon Head. This podcast is brought to you in part by BetterHelp. Get convenient, safe, and secure online counseling today. You can collect with a therapist of your choosing in minutes by taking the online survey. Use the code word Apologue to get seven days for free when you go to betterhelp.com slash Apologue. Seasonal depression is a real thing, folks, and we're right in the dark hearts of it right now. Uh, please make sure you go out and get yourself... Um, you know, make yourself feel better and, and go do that thing. Um, if you want to support my work on a monthly basis, go to patreon.com slash You can pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with hosting and gas fees. And you can cancel at any time. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Give it five stars, please. Like and share on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash pod. Follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. And Spotify. Spotify is a big thing these days. Have you heard of it? Go check out the show on Spotify. There's a, there's a handful of shows that I've cherry-picked out to make sure that they get a better, uh, a better, you know, a better view, like the Chris Hanna episode from Propagandy, like possibly um, Ian Blurton, one of my favorite interviews ever. I'm going to put that up as soon as I get off this because I just realized I haven't put that up yet. So, anyways, thank you so much for supporting the show. And today on the show, I have Mr. Neil Layton. Mr. Neil Layton was a founding member of the band uh, Conscious Pilot, which is a Toronto-based band. He also uh, was in a band called Crash Kelly and also Galore, uh, two bands that I know of and were around the scene that when these bands were, were coming up. Um, Neil has uh, is fronting this new artist collective called Listanian Ghosts, which is, I believe, to aid the Ukrainian crisis. Uh, believe it or not, that's still going on, and you can, uh, you know, on the, in this episode, you should be able to figure out and get in touch with people and make things known and and go do your part for society. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce to you. Mr. Neil Layton on the Upload Podcast. Are you are you originally a Toronto guy? Where are you yeah. originally from? No, I mean I, I grew up in Toronto. I mean I'm definitely I consider myself a Toronto guy, and most most of my Canadian connections are Toronto and some Montreal. But, uh, but yeah, mostly mostly Toronto. Yeah, because I read here Conscious Pilot, right? Am I reading that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, because that, that's sort of like because I I sort of came up in the early '90s with um, playing in bands like. Trigger Happy and Kingpin, and, yeah, and all that sort of stuff. And then I w moved to Winnipeg and joined a band called Red Fisher. And then we still came. Ah, uh, okay. So w w when did you move to Winnipeg? Ninety-two uh, ish. Okay, okay. Yeah. So we 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 probably missed each other. I mean, I was I was around playing from about ninety-five onwards. Okay. So so like back back in ninety-two, I was still like in high school playing like under the marquee and strategers and stuff yeah, like that yeah. you know <laughs> yeah i remember the marquee that are you so did yeah. you grow up in the east 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 end of toronto then is that i grew up in north york north york okay yeah and then moved to uh, i went to u of t and moved to the annex so you know around 94 95 i would have been downtown but before that i was up from north york yeah well yeah it's funny how you divide like north york is like <laughs> It's so far away, and like you know, and it's really well, it, not. It, <laughs> I know, but at the time, it really—I mean, it—it it was for me as a kid. Like I remember, yeah. you know, I think I—I I, I bicycled downtown with my friend Dan Dutnoff um, to HMV to buy some records one time, and it was like you know that was a trek. It was like yeah. two hours cycle, you know, like. Um, it's longer getting longer, longer getting back than it is going down because it's all <laughs> downhill. Right. To Toronto, that's right. That's right. But you got you got the music with you, so you're you're cool. You know, Go, going to Vortex and buying used records and stuff. You know? yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, so what bands did you kind of grow up with in in your 
in your youth? Like playing or yeah, listening? just listening, and then what what influenced you? Uh, I guess listening. I I actually like before we even moved to Canada. Like I was, so I was born in Lisbon, mm-hmm. and uh, before we moved to Canada, I used to listen to my mom's Elvis Presley collection before I even spoke English, oh. and. Um, and so when I moved to Toronto and I started going to record shops and stuff, I think I got into Bowie. Um, and a lot of a lot of the kids at school were listening to sort of 80s stuff. And I was always stuck in the 70s, you know. So I was I was a bit of the oddball that wasn't listening to like U2 and stuff, you know. I, mm-hmm. I So I was still sort of catching up on the... Uh, we had this amazing English teacher at George S. Henry Academy in North York, uh, Ron Gibson. And we started this, uh, we figured out a way to siphon money out of the student council to go buy used records. And we called it the, te- the Teen Beat Appreciation Society. Oh, that's amazing. And, um, and so he used to make these mixtapes, like 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, all the nugget stuff in the 60s. And we, we kind of, then we'd go out and buy the records that we really liked out of the uh, compilation tapes that he made. And that was a real, I mean, it was a really good upbringing in, in sort of, the history of rock and roll because like we, we listen to everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be- Beatles or stones? Stones. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. It's hilarious. The, the, the yeah. line is so, cause I was a Beatles guy. If, if you ever listen okay. to Beatles, what, what Beatles were you like? Cause I don't know if you noticed this, but when, when I got older, I started listening, appreciating different Beatles. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I started yeah, off yeah. with Paul then it went to ring. was Ringo, Paul, John, then George. Yeah, well, you know the, the 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 album that I most admire is A Hard Day's Night, and yeah. that was even before I saw the film. Um, I love the harmonies, and but but in terms of which Beatle, I, I was always like, I mean, I think John and George are are my favorites, and I argue with this big time with Edward Pond from The Conscience Pilot because he's a Paul guy and he's a bass player. I mean, I started out on bass as well with Passion Flower, but like you know. I'm 100% John George. I, I, even af- after watching the Get Back, um, yeah. you know, the, I don't know, I think Paul is immensely talented, obviously, but he just still comes across a bit weird, you know? Well, like, he was the driving force. Like, he, you watch that, and like, I think I just saw this thing with Ringo, it was just very quick, short, real saying, uh, R- R- Paul was the guy that kept us on track. Paul was the guy that yeah, called us exactly. up, let's go to the studio, let's do stuff. Because otherwise, we would have just put three records out and, and just disappeared and that's like coming from Ringo you know so it's yeah definitely he was the guy but also like I, you know when you're sort of leading a band which he is he was leading the Beatles at that point you think like god damn it why isn't everybody on the same page as me you know what I mean I'm sure you've been there right absolutely yeah, absolutely I have and I, I mean you know you get more I think you get more diplomatic as you age in this thing right but like I was a real I was I was a bit of a jerk when I was when I was younger that way. I mean, and, and well, you Edward have to and be. I, you have to put the <laughs> blinders on. You have to because you you're having people tell you your whole life this isn't going to work for you. Like, whether it be parental or friends or people yeah. going and getting quote unquote real jobs It's like yeah, yeah, you yeah. have to have that blinder. Otherwise, you just give up. And you, I saw so many people just leave the re, leave the scene because they had to go get real jobs. You know. Yeah, but you know, like you know that part where. Um, McCartney is saying to George, like, you know, you, I just don't like how you're playing that, that, that yeah. chord doesn't fit. Or, and, and George's like, you're saying a chord is not fashionable. It's just a chord. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was, I was a lot less talented version, like n- not even comparing myself, but I was a very, very untalented bossy McCartney type person, you know, like I was, I was, I was the driver. Yeah. Um, but I was never really, uh, all that talented and uh, I think it, like uh, but I, I also distinctly remember like when we had the conscience pilot back in Toronto in 95 96 97 working with Edward Pond um, on sort of co-managing the band and taking things forward everything works better with Edward I mean you know after the conscience pilot split I put out a bunch of solo records very you know critically acclaimed exclaim and I weekly and stuff but it didn't have the same motion, like it didn't have the same drive, you know. Yeah. And I think Edward is Edward is one of those special people that makes things happen. Yeah, I've played in bands where when the band member leaves and they try to do their own thing, they come back and go, 
you know, it's really hard. It's really hard doing it. I mean, well, no yeah. shit. Yeah, it is hard. It's hard to do. Yeah. And and as a band, as you start riding a wave, you start realizing, you start leaving things like not like you start leaving like, well, this is easier. Things start becoming easier. But then when you start with a new thing, you have to go through all those hurdles again. You forget how difficult it is to start a new thing. It happens That's every right. time. I talk to people all the time that start like had like a band that was semi popular in the in the eighties or nineties, and then. They got to start again. And it's like, they don't, there's no, like, we're not putting you in front of the line. Unless you're Dave Grohl, yeah. we're not putting you in front of the line, you know? That's right. I mean, the, the sort of other exception that I've felt um, over the last four or five years, I've had a project here sort of split between Portugal and Sweden, which is called Lusitanian Ghosts. And that's sort of, um, it's a rock and roll collective, but using Portuguese folk instruments like chordophone string instruments from yeah. the sort of last few centuries so they're not very uh well-known instruments they, they almost went extinct in the 20th century several of them um and that's sort of like a a folk rock experiment that because of the i suppose because of this differentiating factor with these chordophones you know people sort of pick up on it a bit more which is kind of like what happened with conscious pilot because we you know we were doing like at the height of grunge we were walking down the street lo looking like uh roxy music in 72 so it was a very glam rock thing yeah and that's that stood out in a way um along with some other bands at the time in toronto like the, you know the sinisters nancy despot were like you know doing that glam punk thing and yep. so that was that was a cool time yeah, like that sort of 91 through 95 is sort of like anything anything goes. And like Vancouver was this, almost that, but amplified. Yeah. Like if you're like, you go to Vancouver and there'd be like a band playing, you like, you like what kind of what you're doing, like weird, eccentric, kind of folky punk rock stuff, with like punk rock ethics. And they'd always have some, like a cello in there for some reason. Yeah, you know? you're yeah, like, yeah. How did that work out? And it's almost like being not like ironic. But being like what they're doing is like we're just finding new stuff because we can. It is it is kind of a glorious a, a, a era in our music history. It it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I guess every musician feels that way when they sort of look back at their like youth or whatever. But but it, I did feel like it was a special thing, even a bit beyond '95, because I think I guess mm. you went to Winnipeg. I actually had some really good friends move down from Winnipeg to to play with me after Conscious Battle. Like Steve Payne was a bass player. He's is a bass player. He was from Winnipeg, and then he moved to Toronto in ninety six or ninety seven. Okay. Uh, he's back in Winnipeg now. He has a studio up. That there. always happens because uh, Jason Tate was weak, he was weaker than us, but he also was in Red Fisher before that. He moved yeah, to Toronto. Oh, okay. And he was like, so, oh, so you know those guys? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when when Weaker Than okay. mixed their first album fallow they stayed in my apartment uh in toronto okay, yeah. Okay. yeah yeah and john yeah. sutton is a dear friend of mine i've known him for he was my roommate in winnipeg so yeah i have okay. a very deep connection to 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 winnipeg that part of the scene like the propaganda guys and and uh yeah, sandfly yeah, yeah, fever yeah. uh uh malfaction all these bands were right. sort of like this scene of winnipeg though it's very similar to like a, a calgary scene when i went to calgary same thing all the bands were all different bands but they all like buddies and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that didn't seem to exist in Toronto for some reason. I, there's always maybe just too much competition. Yeah, you know, it, it was a weird thing. I, I, I felt like there was a community in Toronto around 96, 97. I mean, we, we got together with a bunch of bands and started this club night called Orange Alert. Also with, with Mark Holmes from Platinum Blonde oh, yeah, and yeah. Vertigo and stuff. And I do their monitors. I mean, that, I'm his monitor guy now. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, cool. No, so, really. I mean, that, that, that was a cool time, like 96, 97 you know, yeah. up, up until 98. And then I felt like moving back to Europe, but it actually took me like five years to do it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you obviously have family there, right? So it's kind of like, it's it seems to be a, a thing that people do. They just need to be closer to the family. I did it only about an hour. Yeah, man. Toronto, you know. But, you know, it wasn't a family thing. I mean, I come from a, a couple broken homes and, and there, it was never really like a, a close family unit to get back to anywhere. Oh, wow. But, but I kind of... Um, and I didn't, and I didn't move back to Portugal. I went, I went by myself to London, England. And it was funny because, so do you know Rich Ragony who used to be in Red Arm Fall from, no, uh, I, I don't. 
also Winnipeg, I think. So he he went down with. Uh, he was supposed to go to New York with Lindy to move to New York. Okay, yeah. I know um, Lindy. I know. I know. Uh, so Lind Lindy ended up basically abandoning him on the other side of the border, and Rich was stuck as an illegal alien in, in New York. <laughs> so then he he couldn't he couldn't move back to Canada, and so so he went to the UK. Okay. And also, Rich Jones from the Black Halos went to to London. Yeah. And so there was the three of us in London in like 2004, between 2004, 2008, the, th the three Canadians were like, we, we were, you know, working at a um, rehearsal studio and, you know, putting together bands and touring around Europe and stuff. It was, it was really cool. Yeah. But London was a, it was a hard place to live. Oh like, my God. Not, just um, playing there yeah. sucks. I mean, it's, uh, it's yeah. just, it just sucks. Uh, at Black yeah. Halos, a John Stewart of Red Fisher yeah. played bass in Black Halos for very that's one, right, one that's or two right, tours. Yeah. I think he went to Europe with him a few times. Um, but do I, I read Galore in here somewhere. Yes. Galore. Uh, Tim Timlick. Uh, was yeah. Galore. And Steve uh, Kreklow. Was that was he in Galore? Oh, I know that. I, um, what's his name? Kevin. Um, yeah. Kevin. Uh, yeah, I, not I, Kevin Drew, not Kevin Hearn. Uh, yeah, but so he played I with was Tom Darcy. Tom Darcy, the ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah. In that um, whatever he called them, Small Sins, all that era. So I was I I was I played guitar on the Parader record. We went down and played in L.A. and stuff. So that at the time the lineup was Barry Walsh, of course, it's his band. Edward Pond on bass. No, first it was Kevin, then it was Edward on bass. Yeah. And Tim Timlake on drums. Yeah. And and that was cool. I was, was I've always enjoyed sort of not being the front man and and being able <laughs> to either play bass or guitar and just sit back and it's a different experience. Absolutely. You know? so, I took Tim to Europe uh, with my band Foursquare. Um, we played oh. like uh, like I think it was nine days or something. It was like a holiday uh, to go play right. parts of Germany and Italy, and and they'd never been to he'd never been to Europe, so it was kind of a fun thing watching. You know, he's a seasoned veteran in in as a musician and a hell of a you know hell of a player. But to watch through their eyes, like the first time to go and see what yeah. Europe looked like, and you know, we can both agree yeah, that yeah, it's yeah, a whole yeah. different vibe in places like that. yeah oh yeah and it's and it's really i mean i guess canada is different too from town to town province to province it's just but, a but big Europe space is, between them it's like you got to drive yeah. eight hours to get somewhere and that nobody you know that's that. that's the thing that's the thing like here it's like you drive like a couple hours and it's a totally different vibe and you're in a different place and it's it's a pretty cool place to be i mean yeah it's it's going through it's it's uh political ups and downs and i'm i'm really worried politically about this year it's going to be a mess, not just in the states, but I mean, it's it's complicated everywhere. I think. Oh well, yeah, everybody's freaking out over here about what what could happen. What could? Yeah, happen. but going back to Tim, I mean, Tim. Yeah. The thing I love about Tim is just he's such a like a wonderful person. Like he's just a really great guy to, to hang around with, and always. I mean, yeah, I'm, I have nothing but fond um, things to 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 say about Tim. Great guy. Yeah. No, I I, uh, I definitely. Um... <laughs> It was like I said, it was fun to watch because, you know, he's. I think he's older than me. Like I think he's got to be older than me. I think he's he's almost sixty or something now. And and there he is going to Europe for the first time. And that's something that when you're going to do the hostel and shitty club tour, that it becomes like, like you got to have a little bit of uh, endurance to sort of deal. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a bit older. I don't. Is he really that old? I mean, he's older old than you? me. I'm fifty three, fifty four this year. Okay. So I'm turning fifty-two. I'm fifty-two. I'm turning fifty-three. I I I didn't know it was that much older. He was older than like me. A, yeah, maybe a bit. We'll ask him. I'll ask him. He's on. Are you on Facebook? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. We'll ask Tim. But not, collectively, but not, how old Tim not, is? It's become the Tim podcast now. We're talking about Tim. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But I'm not. I mean, I am on Face. I'm on the socials, but I'm not really on the like. You know, I post stuff once in a while, but I I don't engage. I don't participate. Like. Yeah, I I I, yeah. I have a whole new thing about posting. It's just got to be positive. Just make it positive right. and yeah. talk about food and talk about good things and good vibes and and hopefully that resonates to the people that resonate to other people because there's so it's so polarized with what we're doing politically that people just have this this they want to rise up and have fights with each other. They just want to argue with each other and say like, everybody needs to be right. That's not that's not cool. I just kind of I just kind of tend to think like you know. I like to act online the same way that I would act face to face with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't tell someone off if 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 I'm if I'm not 
really convinced that I would do that face to face. Like yesterday on the airplane, there was a guy that was like listening to his iPad, whatever show he was watching, it was out loud. Like he didn't have phones and the lights were off. And there was a lady trying to like get a baby to, to, to rest. And everybody was kind of looking, but nobody was doing anything. So I got up from one like window seat all across it, you know, and I went and told the guy to turn it down or put the phones in. And then I sat back down and he did. And, and the guy behind me went like, oh, well done. I'm like, yeah, but I had to get up all the way from over there yeah, to like go tell that. Yeah. <laughs> why, why didn't somebody else do it? And it yeah. was just like, but you know, again, like I wouldn't tell somebody off online or if, if it wasn't something that I, that's worth doing for real. Yeah. Well, I, I work a lot with um, the band Lois of the Low. And Ron's a political guy. He's the singer. He's very political. And uh, there was a time during the whole last, you know, the previous before Biden, the other guy, the orange face monster, when he was talking yeah. that, that Ron was speaking out against his, you know, him. And people were dropping him and saying, hey, man, I'm out. I'm out. And he goes, well, what did you think? You know, you've been, you know, we've been political. He's been political since the early 80s. You know, what did you think was going to happen? Right. So, but I, I just find it to be like, if I just say nice things, and I don't mean if if there's a nice thing to say, say it. But if you're not feeling good about the world, don't say it. Just leave it. Keep yourself. You're not going to impress anybody just by being pissed I, off at stuff, I, right? I don't know about that. I think I think there is a role. Um, I mean, I don't look at music as just entertainment. So I think there is a role to be played by artists and musicians in commenting the world around us, which is why I, I put out this uh, this latest single. Um, about the Ukrainian situation. I mean, I think it, it's, there's a difference when you, when you make a comment just for effect, or if you're like throwing stones, you know, just, just to, that's, that's, that's silly. That's not helpful. But if it's, if, if you're sort of taking a, a political stance on something and you have solid grounds to do it and you do it in a way that is clear about, you know, what you're standing up for, uh, and positive, like you said, like yeah. there's something, there's something that that hopefully there's some good that hopefully comes out of it. Like somebody changes their mind or something, somebody thinks about something, then that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I agree. Well, there's big, big topics to deal with. You know, obviously, right. I find that there's there's a lot of people speaking about it, and it creates a bit of discourse. And for me, it's like in my life, I got my personal beliefs and my thoughts and feelings about things. And and what I feel, it doesn't necessarily resonate with other people, and I don't need it to be. And I'm fine. I think I'm on the right side of it. You know what I mean? When it comes to certain aspects of what's happening these days, I mean, we, it's yeah. really easy to say Trump is a fucking megalomaniac freak. We can all say that because he is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But the whole thing about everybody's talking about our prime minister, and it's like, well, okay, man. You know what? You know how hard that job is. You can really armchair yeah. quarterback that whole thing and, and make it look like he's a, a doofus. Oh, what? You mean like all the criticism he's Yeah, you know, but you can Israel, really... But Palestine. it's a hard yeah, yeah. job. I would never ever yeah. consider to comment about what it is. In my best com yeah. com way to combat that thing, with like when people come from the conservative yeah. side, I go, yeah, but he's so good looking. That really gets people like, <laughs> they freak out. They're like, what are you talking about? No, no, what are you well, that's 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 the other way to do it, but but it, but it, you're right. Like I mean, it, it these are really tough jobs, and and it's uh, it's easy to throw stones, and it's easy to like put someone down, but that's not helpful unless you have a better alternative or, or a positive yeah. idea to contribute. If you don't have anything to contribute, shut up. Yeah. But yeah. but by all means, but, have but a like plan. you know, have it, a plan. And it's uh, the whole freedom of speech thing. It, you know, it's like freedom itself ends where your na your neighbor's nose begins, type of thing. You have to be respectful yeah. of 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 people, and and uh, anyway. So there's yeah. not enough conversation to say. Well, I respect your opinion, but here's my opinion. I don't need to be right, uh, but I'm here's my opinion, and we can have a discussion whether or not who's right and wrong. But you can also have a discussion about what my thoughts and feelings are. That's a completely different conversation. Because if I feel this. And I have, like you say, I have a, a reason to speak these words that I feel, and you disagree with it, doesn't make you right and me wrong or me right and you wrong. And that's the difference, and that's the world right now, is everybody needs to be right. And, and, I, also, and I also think, Simon, that the world has changed a bit in that regard, because before, 
you know, you might go to like Future Bakery or, or the Horseshoe or whatever. You might talk politics with somebody and you might have a meeting of the minds. And there used to be a time where like people would at some point go like, yeah, okay, maybe you're right about it. And, and people would change their minds. Yeah. But on online is not the place for that. It never, it, ne it, 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 online, uh, discussions don't lead to this productive change yeah. it, it pe people just get more entrenched in their own worldview and then they block the other the other guy or gal and that's yeah. done right well right so, because they've already got a history of saying these things and if they change their mind they can come off as a hypocrite which is that's the problem well, right yeah but but i mean i i think we all have the prerogative and the right to change our mind. I if, agree. If somebody, if the light bulb goes off and we hear some, but some, you know, like, I mean, ah, there's so many situations where I've changed my mind over, over, over the course of my life. I don't apologize for it. I think it's, it's just basically hopefully getting a little wiser, yeah. a little tiny bit wise, and, and understanding that there is so much more to learn, you know? Yeah. As you get older, do you find like, you're not going to die on every hill when it comes to certain things. Are you still that same person that would like go to the go to go to the go to the grave with a certain vengeance? Not vengeance, but um, what am I? The word I can't find right now. But um, it, I know what you mean. It it, it depends. I, I mean, are you talking musically or musically, or just in politically, in general, social, yeah. social? It sounds like you're not afraid to tell someone with a loud iPod and an airplane to shut the fuck up. It sounds like that's a <laughs> you know, well, I, I I did it very politely. I said, you know, like people are trying to rest, and th that that lady over there is trying to get the baby to sleep a little bit. Can you yeah. uh, put your phones on or like turn it down, or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guy was a bit uppity about it, and I'm like, listen, buddy. <laughs> that's what, at that point, it was like, yeah. Um, but but uh, no, that's right. I mean, but again, like. If if the thing escalates, I would probably call the the, stew yeah. the stewardess or whatever, and just get you know like that guy's out of line. But I don't know. I, I think there's some things that I would still, yeah, be willing to like. Uh, what did you? What was the expression? Die, Die on the hill. Like, Die on that hill. Die, yeah, 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 yeah. I think there are. Th I think there are some things. Like I mean, I'm I'm really staunchly anti-fascist, um, and if that's the way Europe goes, or, you know, if, if somebody pulls something of that nature, then, you know, I'll, I'll yeah. Even though I have a family now and stuff to, to look after, there are things still that you must, there, there's lines that I would have hoped we would have all learned not to cross ever again after the 20th century. Yeah. And, and it is incredibly disappointing to, to, to realize that that's not the case and that some people are crossing those lines openly now. So that is, that is, uh, yeah. that's a line. And and how do you attribute like that type of getting from the part of like being like a healing kind of situation into now we're in a, a hatred situation where Islamophobia, um, just general hatred to minorities, yeah. fascism, like that type of stuff in the fifties, you could probably get put up against a, a wall and shot. If that was the type of uh, idealism that, yeah, you had. because there's a bit of a, you know, a sore spot that happened. I mean, but uh, what, how, yeah. do you, how do you attribute that type of anger and where? Do you, what I mean, it's a big loaded question, or it's a big question. But where do you think it a lot of that question. sort of came well, from? Here's the thing, right? Okay, so I'll give you the the Portuguese example. Portugal was a fascist dictatorship to 1974, and then we had a revolution that was very much music driven. Also, at the time, um, we had uh, a major uh, protest singer, singer songwriter Jose Afonso, and one of his songs was the trigger for the army because they didn't have Twitter. So the the army knew that when the the song was played on radio, that was the call sign, and the revolution was on. Um, and so. I mean, it's it's been fifty years this year, and so it's not even like two two generations. But we're we're having to sort of worry about fascists coming back uh, very strongly on the on the elections March tenth. And it doesn't matter whether whether it's the fifties in America or Germany or anywhere else in the world or or seventies in Portugal. The thing is, I think there's two. There's two aspects to, to, to fascism and dictatorial behavior. So there's very old money and ruling classes 
um, that favor that sort of um, political system. And when they manage to get uh, a high portion of the masses behind them because they're um, driving discontentment or fear um, and they manage to get those votes, then it becomes a problem and it becomes a dangerous problem. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we are because I think that the 50 years or 70 years of open democracy haven't been equally favorable to all, you know, to, to the middle class and then the, 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 the people with less means that would have hoped that democracy would have got them into the middle class and it still hasn't in many places. Hmm. So I think that, I think that, I think that, you know, if you ally the rich and powerful few who favor uh, dictatorial systems and if, if they, if they use neo-fascism or populism to drive those votes i think that's where it comes from it comes from people not being where they should be in the democratic system and i think at the end of the day we have to recognize that there are failures in capitalism because capitalism isn't equally beneficial to all of the social strata that it should benefit and and so in, in in that sense it it bites its own tail and and leads back to um fascist uh tendencies for for a bunch of these folks on on the on the on the rich and the poor social stratas um but you know i'm no political scientist i'm i'm just uh you know a, a music industry guy and uh i mean so so what you know just what you were saying about sort of walking that line between making music and and playing music and working in other roles as you have done in in the music industry, that's pretty much what I've done as well. When I moved back to Portugal, I didn't play for about ten years, um, but I set up um, the independent label association. So, like SEMA in Canada, you know, I, I set that up here in Portugal for for a bunch of different independent labels, and, and so I've been working in the industry in other in other capacities here. And I see the difficulty that a lot of people have. I mean, it's there's still a, a lack of um, information on how to get ahead in music. And I think that that's the same. Going back to to the fascism thing, I think that's the same in many other walks of life. So there, yeah. there's still lack of edu- lack of education, lack of possibility, um, lack of entrepreneurial systems that really prop people up when they want to do positive things yeah so you know that's i don't know it's 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 you're 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 right it's a complicated answer but i think that's where it comes from i also feel that if you oversimplify a problem um and you speak to people who can understand the oversimplification of like a big problem yeah it becomes very polarized because you're like yes this is what I mean, but it's not really what I mean because there's so many other parts to it. But here's the message that you can you can understand. And I'm not saying you're speaking yeah. down to people, but you're speaking in a language that people want to hear as well as can only understand because there's 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 two sides to every argument. I'm not saying fascism has its positive side. I'm just saying that there's there's definitely there's you can call someone a fascist, but it might not necessarily be what the actual situation is. You know what I mean? And it's sort of that lumping in of what people are can sometimes ruin people's lives and then push them over to the other side that makes them that type of, yeah. that type of, I, you know, nobody gets me. These guys get me, <laughs> you know, you're, abso- you're, you're absolutely right. Because I was, I was um, talking to uh a Portuguese artist called Ugaju, which means the dude. He he's, he plays instrumental music on the viola company. And I was like, we should do like an anti-fascist uh, concert or something before the elections. And he's like, Neil, listen, fascism is an outdated word because the people that are voting for the the far right, they many of them like if, it's it's what you said. Like some of the rich, yes, they consider themselves fascists, but most of the people voting for them they don't really care about left or right or, or, or communist or fascist. They, they are voting for some kind of misguided hope that things might change if they, if they go that way. Mm-hmm. And so he goes, you, you, it would probably have to be some kind of like 
not anti-fascist, but anti-populism uh, driven by simple answers, and then it gets complicated yeah. type concert. You know, like so, yeah. like oh, okay, well that you know that's a much harder. It's harder to, to sell. Fascism is yeah. a good brand. You can really push fascism in a, as a brand. <laughs> you know, but it, but I mean, it's it, it's what you said. It's like it's it's it, you know you cannot simplify a complex <coughs> social situation. You know, it's just not possible. You have to be able to discuss it at length. Yeah. Well, I have uh, I have these seeds uh, here on the computer. Sorry, I was putting yeah. over there because the computer kept going to sleep. Um, why don't Why don't we hear it? Because that's that's kind of why we're here. Sure, let's do that, yeah.
so so basically the um after the actual russian invasion in february almost two years ago uh maybe like three or four months later when when the russians went into kershaw there was um this footage of this lady confronting a soldier a russian lady confronting a soldier saying uh who are you are you russian and the soldier's like yes and she's like well why are you here like you know we, we don't need you here you're like uh invading our country and she's like this conversation will lead nowhere just go away lady and she's like no 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 you know i have something for you take these seeds and put them in your pocket because when you die here, at least the flowers will grow. Oh, wow. And the soldier was just like, the soldier was like, uh, go away, lady, like whatever. And, and she's like, put these seeds and put them in your pockets. And I mean, at the time, I wrote the song, recorded the song, which is the version we're hearing now. But I didn't release it. I did because because there were so many others. I mean, there was Ukraine was in the news. Everything was in the news. I mean, everybody knew what was going on, right? So they didn't need me to like release a song about it. So I, I just sat on it. Um, I showed it to a few friends. Showed it to a few Ukrainian people from the from the uh, Music Export Ukraine initiative. They loved it. They're like, oh, yeah, you should get it out. I said, well, maybe later. Then we ended up recording a slightly different version of it. I mean, same theme, but different music to, for the Lusitanian Ghosts 3 album. And that came out last September as part of that album. But I kind of felt this year that it, the war has been going on for almost two years. Yeah. And maybe because, maybe because of other conflicts, it's getting a little bit forgotten about. And and this it, it's kind of crunch time where Ukraine still needs very much the support from Europe and from America and so I I, I figured that I had this thing in the drawer and I might as well release it now to try and drive a little bit more attention to it because of course of other tragedies and and conflicts that are kind of like steering the attention of the international news media and you know so so it felt right to release it now you know and yeah yeah, yeah it's it's i it's a it's a builder too like it's yeah i i i appreciate the hearing a song that has room to breathe it's like we're starting here and then it really apexes into like just this it's an epic song you know so could be an yeah, anthem. i mean it is a bit it's a bit anthemic at the yeah. end i want to uh, speaking of cellos and stuff i mean i i would have liked to produce it a bit a little bit more and put some cellos and some strings in it but you know it's it's um it was a just a very heartfelt one take thing you know so you know i, I don't need to burden it with extra production and stuff let's just get it out there and let it live you know yeah. and and hopefully you know if it brings because i when i talk about the ukrainian um the war with some some folks even in europe they're like oh why are you concerned about that that's not in europe and i'm like it's not in europe what do you mean it's not in it is in europe like <laughs> ukraine is europe and and so it felt good to finish with that line uh, on the fields of hennichesk which is where the lady was from on these fields of europe because to, it is europe like i mean and, and music export ukraine are partners of ours in the European network of export offices, which is called EMI. Um, you know, and they're part of us in a bunch of Creative Europe projects. I mean, we work with them, and they're our colleagues. And and so I, I feel this very, very. Uh, it's it's close to me. It, it's not something that is like way across the continent. It, it it's like right next door. Yeah, you're right. You know, so they kind of like one country away from you know, and then all the other political things that are happening with support from it too is is creating some dissonance on the other side too so it's it's like it has everything to do with the world right now you know because it's yeah. it's not just a metaphor for uh, what's happening in not just there but everywhere else is that there's there needs to be some change and i have that yeah, you know, they're, i'm they're... not the person to make that change but eventually something will have to happen and I hope it's not the the you know the negative part, which we could all just be dust, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's it. I mean, the, at, at, if you cut it to the ridiculous, down that route lies 
dust and and if if you if you sort of manage to hopefully shed some light into the situation and and people see the light i mean there there's no need for this in the 21st century you know i i just don't get it i i mean i i i, I can try and rationalize and explain why it is happening but at the end of the day i do believe um that some folks whether they are dictators or wannabe dictators, I think that they're completely like off their rocker and it's just like um, somebody needs to put a stop to it. Yeah. That's good timing. Song's just ending. Um, I actually know I'm going to take what you said. I actually, what we just said, I'm just going to put that because there's some really cool stuff said there. So, because uh, usually when the song's playing, I just sort of, I sort of, you know, but I'll, I'll move that in because there's some powerful stuff you're saying there. So, um, yeah, and music and politics has always been a thing. Like I, uh, I can appreciate because I I grew up in that same era, right? That era of like yeah. putting out compilations to help with X Y Z or anti racism. Yeah, and, sure. And all yeah. that type of stuff, and it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a funky world out there. Because you know, do you find? I mean, here's a here's a question. Do you, what I find is like as I'm older and all the things I've done, people kind of look at me like as the old guy. Who doesn't? Who's sort of not keyed into what the world is about, and get corrected on things like, and you're like, hold on a second here. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to put my resume in front of you, but yeah. like I said, yeah. uh, I said, I said, I had no, you know, obviously, I, I say, hey, we're having a powwow, and you say, you can't say that anymore. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, I didn't, you know, listen, that's the old guy. That's what we say, you know? And, but it's like, hold on a second. Yeah. I, I fought for like, for, for <laughs> first nations rights. I put compilations. I, I, I made this known to people in my family about what I felt about this. What else can I do? Sorry. You know what I mean? So there seems yeah. to be all that stuff you did 20, 30 years ago. Is sort of like, meh, we'll call you when we need you. <laughs> yeah well there there's there's certainly some new sensibilities that i think have come into i i you know what i my my um if anything my experience is sort of the opposite of yours in the sense that you know canada's always been very politically correct and we all learn to be you know socially uh adjusted integrated uh members of society in a way even the guys from the sinisters and um <laughs> <laughs> so you know it, it's um it, the thing is when i moved back to portugal the amount of like uh politically incorrect phrasing and behaviors connected to race um history uh expressions like indian giver yeah wait a minute okay so i learned that that one was not correct way back when but you know, there, there's places in the world where they they still don't have that sensibility. So I think um, it, it's it's a different curve of adjustment, I, I guess. Yeah, it's happening. I think I don't follow soccer or football much, but it's happening in Italy right now with their with the goalie. Yeah, it's like really. And you know, I yeah, and and, and Spain. Yeah. I mean, Spain like racist chants against like colored players i mean just like really like that's sort of an ongoing thing like a european thing like when we were over there 15 20 years ago they were like make monkey sounds if someone was black playing in, on the on the team i'm like are you kidding me? they're still they're still doing it they're it's still doing up. it and it's like and, and there you know there's fines and there's criticism yeah but then at the same time again there's this upper um echelon of 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 people that run the clubs and that permeate the fabric of society that turn the blind eye or or instigate it in private and they're like no 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 keep doing that because that's uh, no that's what puts bums in seats that's all they care about right it's like yeah they need drama, you know, so, you know? <laughs> yeah well and that's the other thing i mean the, the news love it so they always pick up on these things and it's, i mean in portugal right now it's a new circus i mean circus it's the we have two television channels that are openly supporting giving more airtime to the far right than they are to any other party. Yeah. And this, this comes from the old money of the owners of these stations, the, the Portuguese mini Murdochs, you know? Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's, everything is sort of, everything that is wrong in a sense has the tendency of being 
amplified just to make it newsworthy or having people show up to the debate or whatever. And it's just not a, not a healthy environment right now. Well, I mean, that's with us, too. I mean, Canada is not as bad, but we're so us, so much osmosis coming over from the States about the polarization yeah. of, of the news agencies. And, and you know, obviously, America's they sort of honed it in. They got it figured out. Like, what side are you on depends what, what station you watch. Um, right. But we have, like, a, this new conservative head of the conservative government who is frightening looking because he looks like a freaking cartoon character. And he's just a scary, like what he says is like, wow, you're triggering. I know I'm smart enough to know what you're saying and I'm smart enough to know how, who you're speaking to. So uh, right. this guy needs to get stopped. He needs to stop this person. It's like, it's, right. it's an, and it's, it's so crazy how this world is just starting to do that. I mean, I don't know where it started. Um, kind of. Oh, you mean, you mean like, like the sort of dog whisperer or whatever you call it? Yeah. Like that's they, sort of know? like, yeah, 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 they're tired of like. They're sort of saying certain things to like, yeah. and under the guise of nationalism. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. you're saying some, you're saying some pretty, you're, you're like we were speaking about before. You're speaking a language to people who don't necessarily feel like they have an involvement. But when you speak a certain language and a certain type of phrasing, all of a sudden you start triggering yeah. these people into like, yeah, we're we're into this, and, and, and that's dangerous. And, and, and the other, and the other thing is sort of like um, unbalancing the the scales of of what is acceptable speech like i mean skewing the sort of like um meaning of language itself for example um you know we have far right in in europe now but they've started using the word the the, the term far left yeah. yeah to describe the all the entire left so the so so if if they skew the far left the left as the far left, then it uh, it, it it makes it more uh, it normalizes the far right as though they are balancing the scales when in yeah. fact they're tipping it they're tipping it entirely out of out of out yeah. of uh, proportion. Yeah, so, and, and usually the loudest the smaller numbers are yeah. the louder numbers, and they're the ones that influence like peep the press because they're the loudest people speaking the most hatred things. So yeah. they're the ones catching more airtime than people going, you know, nobody wants to hear people like, hey, can't we just all get along? You know what I mean? Nobody wants to hear yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty left no, as far no, as no. I'm concerned. If so, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that, it's, okay, can't everybody be treated fair yeah. and equal? And yeah. There's a whole like, type ah, of like, boring, no, 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 that's boring. Give me something. Yeah. Give me something good. Go burn down some things or something. Yeah. But you know, I, I, there's got to be a way to have some sort of firebrands from from the the left. Not that I was going to say the right side of the fence, but I mean, I mean the left. Or it doesn't <laughs> have to be a right. It doesn't mean to have. Uh, it doesn't have to be left right in that old twentieth century way. But there needs to be some more driven firebrand politicians that are that have their hearts and their minds in the right place. You know, like. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, unfortunately, I think they're few and far between, and it's yeah. uh, and it's it's hard to sort of, um, you know, I'm not. Yeah, I think I think we can write songs and speak in our own circles and try and remain good people and and you know speak positively about stuff like I did with the taxi driver yesterday in from the airport. <laughs> yeah, but out, outside of our circle, it's really hard to to sort of impact because we're not like you know I'm not on the socials arguing in favor of 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 the the positive you know the positivity that you were talking about uh and they are they're 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 there from the from the negative side and you know throwing down and just like uh so it, it's it's an unequal battle i mean in in here in portugal the only party that is really active on tiktok is the far right all right. the other parties probably you know they're like tiktok what yeah. like, i mean you know like, yeah um we don't know how damaging this can be yet <laughs> And why yeah, fight? Why fight it? Because it's not, you know, it's like the funny, like the like the old way. Like this, is not how we do politics. It's like, well, you guys better pucker up because things, things are changing. Like, how do you, you know, yeah. and how do you play like the high road politically when when they don't? Like I said before, they're not interested in ethics you and can't. you know, it's like in running the high road. It's like no, no, we're we're good because there's more interest in people uh, protesting on a bridge. With your with your Nazi flags, you know what I mean. Not saying Nazi flags, but pretty close, pretty close. I I mean, you know, I, I you the end. I mean, I I definitely 
think that you cannot take the high road with, with these people and these movements. I'm happy to see, for example, in Germany that um, over the weekend there have been some, some major uh, protests against the AFD, the Alternative for Deutschland, which is the, the extreme um, right, the, the neo-Nazis in Germany. I mean, in Germany, I think, has a, a hypersensibility, of course, because of, yeah. because of the, the, the 20th century history. So they're now finally talking about outlawing the party. Now, that's another, you know, course of action that could be taken. Um, but it, it, it comes with its own sort of um, ethical and democratic... Uh, yeah, challenges. You know, in, intellectual challenges, because yeah. it's like, well, is that really how it should be tackled? No, because you get more people yeah. mad... Then you're like banging hammers. You're hang, hitting nails with the hammer, but that's, they're not always going to catch it. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean that's sort of what's happening with the new Twitter, the X, is that it's now kind of open. Anybody say whatever they want, with the anticipation of logic might prevail, right? Whereas like you have a far, you know, a fascist oh, I, group that might be like the, I, the. Hopefully, maybe the masses can sort of push that down without having to just censor it. I don't know. I don't think so. I think Elon definitely, uh, probably in in his own sort of life course or whatever, he's he's uh, he's probably gone down the road of uh, whatever that sort of twisted absolute freedom notion from the from the right yeah. is. I, I think he's definitely happy to skew it on X towards the extreme right viewpoints. Yeah, and. I mean, I think he knows, and any intelligent person knows that most likely the the people that are sensible people take the high road and don't engage. So, of course, Twitter was going to get taken over by you know the Looney Tunes and just yeah. like it seems utopian I mean, you know, to say that though, right? It's like, well, logic might di just dictate the fact that these people don't have anything to say and are shameful, you know, or shamed into speaking in a certain fashion that they might get name checked and. It doesn't this seem to be thing, happening. Yeah. No, and, and this is the thing. I think they're, you know, by by engaging and by behaving this way online, they're that much more likely to take it out on the streets and behave this way at a cafe or at yeah. a, a bar or whatever. And if they do, that's, and if, and if they do that in front of me, then we have a problem. Mm -hmm. And and, and, and be, because I still very much subscribe to that common notion of decency that we grew up with, that you are, you know, if, if anybody is openly racist or, or you know, uh, homophobic or any of that shit in front of me, we have a problem. Mm. And, you know, they do it online. I'm not there, no problem. But if, 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 if that crosses my path on the street, we have a problem. And I think it's coming to that, uh, you know, n not just for me, but for many other people, Sooner or later, like as many, I, I just came from Eurosonic, and even the politicians in the Netherlands that just voted, you know, a sharp swing to the right, the politicians in the city of Groningen are, you know, openly saying, like, do not bring that here. If you bring that here, we have a problem and it's going to turn ugly. And so, it, 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 this is very much the mood in Europe now. It's like, well, uh, things are coming to a head and it's, and it's not um, good. Yeah. <coughs> Bless you. <coughs> Sorry. I, I remember things like, you know, because Canada has four parties for the better part. Uh, and I thought, like, you know, Netherlands, Holland would have. I thought if somebody said, well, there's nine political parties in Holland, <laughs> like, wow, that's a lot of, that's a lot of platforms. That's a lot to speak. And, and it, you know, in Canada, like the NDP yeah. will sort of join up with the liberals and the NDP, might, you know, and they never join up with the conservatives. You know what I mean? So there's like, the, there's a new conservatives uh, government too. But that's, to me, that feels more de, de, um, more like democracy than, than what we're kind of going through right now. Yes and no. I think it is more like democracy in, in, in a sense it is because you, you you're allowed to present different viewpoints and more multiple viewpoints but you have to keep in mind when it gets that splintered it's mostly people that don't really have much to say that say oh i'll start a party yeah. let's be popular let's be populist about it let's yeah, just yeah. drive vote and, and at that point it becomes a, a mess and i think it, it sort of actually 
pollutes the environment in, in, in the sense of real democracy where you, because the idea for democracy is you exchange ideas. I remember in Portugal, you know, back before I, I went, before my mom remarried and we moved to Canada, uh, my grandfather was a communist, right? And he was, he was a pharmacist and he had a, a pharmacy in Lisbon. And let's say you had a headache and you wanted some Tylenol or aspirin or something. Before you even got to the counter, there was a couple couches and there would always be a political debate with him and, and some, I think the, the, the fellow that owned the, the sort of gift shop next door was sort of a right winger. And so he would invite him over and they would discuss politics loudly <laughs> in the pharmacy. <laughs> and so you're, you're going in for the, for your meds and you're like, Oh no, we're you know, we're going to be like, what side of the fence do you want? And the thing is that was, compared to what we have today, it was healthy political debate because, again, there was enough room for people to change their minds and learn things. That's not the case now. So I think the, 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 this multiplicity of parties that are coming in, they're not there to sort of engage with any decent, constructive, positive behavior to improve things. They're just there for the votes yeah. and, and to, sort of, to sort of muddy things up. And so that's not that good, really. Um, yeah. You know, this is a, a, a this is a weird chat. I mean, it's just yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's good. I mean, it's it's nice. Yeah, it's, uh, but we're, you know, we, we're not talking much about music. <laughs> no, it's true. But I mean, you know what? We don't have to talk about music, really. I mean, it's this is you know one thing I do pride the show on is that people get to know the person that's talking, and sure. that becomes more important sometimes than the music because it's like oh. I can key in, I can sort of plug into this this musician and, and go appreciate and go find the music on my own because it's obviously readily available, right? Yeah, no, that's very cool. It's a very cool approach and I think we need more of it. You yeah. know, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, um, man, I, I, we've come up to our hour. I appreciate you, you know, taking the time and, and, and understanding like uh, more about what happens on the other side of the Atlantic is obviously important to everybody and, and knowing what's going on in the Ukraine is obviously uh, very important. And it's, thank you for thank carrying the torch and, and making people aware of what's happening. Well, thank you, Simon. And I hope to see you uh, maybe at CMW with the conscience pilots uh, okay. this year. And uh, I'll, be I'll be there. Yeah. Let's, let's uh, hopefully see, see each other in person some, somewhere down the road. Yeah, man. Look yeah. me up. Good to talk to you. Thank you so much, Simon. Take care. That was Neil Layton. Go check out all the stuff. Uh, in this episode, you'll see all the information where you can go click on things and go uh, hear, let people hear your voice. Uh, Layton, yeah, it's that was, that was one of the good ones. That was a good old natter. Had nothing to do with music. We didn't mention the pandemic once. And it was a fun time. Thank you, Neil, once again for doing the episode. If you are interested in getting uh, some online counseling, don't forget to uh, go to betterhelp.com slash for your uh, seven days free. And uh, it helps it helps to, to soothe the soul that way. And, you know, all the other things. Don't forget to do all the other things. Uh, big news coming with the documentary. I hope to have more like an actual thing to say next week i apologize that i've been a little elusive when it comes to this type of information sharing but you know you gotta make sure all the the i's are dotted and the t's are crossed and the you know all those other things all those other corporate cliches are amended all i know is and all i can say that it's good news there's good news coming when it comes to this little production company that i have started um you know, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited to tell you, but, you know, I, nothing is fully, fully locked in yet. But I have more news next week on the next episode. Whenever the next episode is, I will have more news. I, I, I promise you. So, anyways, thank you so much for listening to the show week after week. I, I appreciate everybody for coming and, and being 66 minutes and 5, 6, 7 seconds of just me talking. And uh, thank you so much. I'll see you next time. Bye.